This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Good afternoon, guys and gals. Welcome to Jail Ministry. You know, we're excited to have you. And today, I've got a special lesson that really comes to my heart, strikes my heart. And we'll get into that in a few minutes. But I have a question for you. Our theme today is Desperate for Jesus. Now, what are you desperate for? Are you desperate to go back to that old life? Desperate to get high again? Desperate to use drugs or drinking or partying? Desperate to get back to the living situation that wasn't healthy? Are you desperate just to get out of jail? So, so what, what is your desperation? Or are you desperate for Jesus Christ? And Jesus alone can take our sins and give us peace with Him and give us eternal life. And it's everywhere in the Bible. We've been through this pretty much all year. But only through faith in Jesus Christ a true faith, can you be saved and can you be brought out of the darkness and into his light? So think about that. We've got a, a psalm and a Bible verse today that is really, really um, pertinent. And it's Psalm 50, 15. It says, and call on me in the day of trouble and call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So this story that we're going to read today, today we kind of shifted over from what Jesus demands of us into the next few weeks we'll be talking about some of the important miracles, the supernatural miracles that only Jesus Christ could perform and what his motives and mission was for that miracle. So I do want to pause for a moment and kind of take a, a break because I get started. It's kind of like a little infomercial, but I want to share with something with you that is um, so important for us because there are warnings in our lives. We we start off with warnings when we're children, when we're teenagers. We're told, you know, don't talk to strangers. Be in by ten o'clock. We're told, you know, if you don't study and if you get an F on your report card, you're going to be staying in after school. You can't go out and play. And so as we get older, there's warnings about the car. You know, if there's more miles on the car than there shall be that you go to that movie, there's going to be trouble. You're not going to be driving that car. And the warnings as we get older become more and more clear and more and more important. For the Bible gives us all kinds of warnings. And one of the, probably the biggest warning is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So... What does that mean? That means when we honor and respect that God is creator over all and that God is sovereign over all. He has power over everything. He knows what we're doing. So unlike your parents, you can kind of cheat on some things and get away with it. They won't get, you won't get caught. Although with my mom, I got caught nine times out of ten. But Jesus and God, they know your heart and they know what's going on with you. So one of the consequences of 
sin is, a couple verses, the wages of sin is death. And the soul that sins, it shall die. Two Bible verses, uh, one is uh, Romans 3.36, the wages, the payment for sin is death. And since we all have sinned and we all are born in Adam, there's going to be that separation that separates us from God. Okay? And there's other warnings out in society. There's a warning on I-35 driving into Austin, Texas near our home. And it says every week it changes. It'll say 336 traffic fatalities through June of this year. That's a lot of people dying on the road. And it will say, it'll give you a warning. It'll say, don't text, wear your belt, drive safely. So, warnings from the state because they don't want you dying, obviously, and, and having another accident with somebody else. But those are all warnings. And another warning that, that I get a couple times a week, um, last year I came upon a section of road by our home, a back, a back road that had an accident. And there were vehicles out there, there were paramedics, there were all kinds of police cars. And we found out later that there were two people died on that stretch of road. And I believe it was a motorcycle. But on that same stretch of road just two months ago, we heard there's a head-on collision on this narrowing of the road going over a bridge. And, you know, I started to get kind of spooked. And I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to heed, I'm going to listen to that warning, okay? Because when I drove by that section where the two people drove just yesterday, I mean, this has kind of got to hit you. There were two crosses on the side of the road, and there were two skulls. Yes, folks, skulls. And I think the Department of uh, Motor Vehicle, I think they're going to leave them out there, because it's a pretty, pretty strict warning. Two skulls there. So I told my wife, I said, I don't care if we're saving five minutes driving this way. I'm going the main way on the freeway. I don't care. It's back, back way, but I don't care. So my question for you is, do you know when you die where you're going? Are you going to heaven or are you going to hell? If you are going to heaven, we'll see in this lesson today where you're going. And keep in mind, I like to kind of follow numbers. There's over 170,000 deaths every day. Every day. Okay? And 10 out of 10 people die. So we don't want to think about that. Last thing I want to think about. But I'll tell you what, when I see the warnings of the crosses and the skulls, oh man, I've been slowing down on that bridge from 55, 60 down to about 40. And I actually kind of pause to make sure there's no other car going across that. I don't want some guy on his cell phone picking up a car and veering in my lane. So, Listen to the warnings, and I want you to think about that. Where are you going? And the warnings, the biggest warnings in the Bible are in Scripture. Every book of the Bible has warnings. But I think the most concise are the Ten Commandments. And they're warnings how to live our life. They were given to the Jewish people. And no person can follow all of those Ten Commandments. We cannot, we're not perfect. Only the Lord Jesus was perfect. So, they are what Paul, the Apostle Paul says, they are the teacher that leads us to Christ. The teacher that we trust and honor as the Lord, we can't get there on our own works. It's only through Christ.
So heed those warnings. You know, get into your Bible. They're everywhere. There's over 32 verses on the fear of the Lord. They're in Proverbs. They're in everywhere. So let's get to our, our, our story today. It's going to be in Luke chapter uh, 5, verses 17. Luke chapter 5, verse 17. Who was Luke? You all remember? Luke was a doctor. Okay? As a former doctor, I really, really respect how he writes. He has detail in here. He always, we know he's telling the truth because it's the Bible, but he always sees things a little bit deeper. Okay? Now, this particular story, I'm going to read it for you right now, and then I'm going to give you some personal uh, association. So, read along with me if you could. One day, as Jesus was teaching, and there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present for him to perform healing. The power of the Lord was there to perform healing. Only the Lord can do those healings. Okay? And some were carrying, and some men were carrying on a bed a, a man who was paralyzed. And they were trying to bring him in to set him down in front of him. Now, what's going on here? We, we, we don't get the whole background story. But Jesus had been doing miracles for probably a good two years, or maybe a year and a half or two. And everyone came to him. He had the power to save, as it said, to do miracles. So people came to him with their illnesses. They could, a woman would come with bleeding. Men had neck problems, pain. There were lepers, which was a terrible, terrible disease where their fingers would fall off. And this man was paralyzed. So if you think about this, there's a big crowd around there, and they want to get their friend in. So... I'll read the rest, and then we'll get in, really dig into details. So some men were carrying on a bed one who was paralyzed, and they were trying to bring him in and to set him down in front of him, in front of Jesus. But not finding any way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and led him straight down through the tiles with his stretcher into the middle of the crowd in front of Jesus. Now, folks... The fact that there was a tile roof at that time, that showed that this person that owned the house had some significant means and was pretty wealthy. Most of the people at that time would have a thatched roof. Thatched roof was easy to make, to repair, replace it every couple of years, but this man had a tile roof. So can you imagine the audacity of these men climbing up on the roof with their friend? I mean, they wanted to help their friend, and this man was desperate. So they're on top of the roof, and the only way into the house was to tear the tiles off. These guys were kind of wrecking the house here, if you ask me. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, Friend, your sins are forgiven you. The scribes and the Pharisees began to, to, to excuse me, reason, saying, Who is this man who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive him but God alone? Pardon me, I've got weaker glasses on today and it's getting harder. So that means either I'm getting older or I need new glasses. So, and they, but Jesus, aware of their reasonings, said to them, Why are you reasoning to your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins have been forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk? 
but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Oh, he's saying this right in front of the Pharisees. The Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, listen to this, I say to you, get up, pick up your stretcher and go home. Wow. In front of all these people, get up, that command, get up by the power of his word. Get up and walk. Immediately, immediately he said, this wasn't like he had to go through therapy for six weeks, six months to kind of get his legs going again and kind of stretch out and get massage. No, immediately he got up before them and picked up what he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. Glorifying God. Just like in our psalm, when I deliver you to you, glorify me now. Glorify me. He's going to glorify Jesus. And by that, he's going to spread the good news. This man, Jesus, he saved me. He, he healed me. I couldn't walk before. And I'm walking now. They're all struck with astonishment. I like this. Struck with astonishment and began glorifying God. And they were filled with fear, saying, we've seen remarkable things today. Remarkable things. Well, folks, I take this one to heart because I'd maybe share with you before, but I am a quadriplegic. And I'm paralyzed from the chest down. I had an accident 23 years ago. And it was life-changing to say that. I almost died a few times. And I was like this paralytic. I wished I could walk again. I wished I could do the things I used to do. And my friends were kind of like this. These four friends helped this paralytic guy out. I had two or three friends that helped me out. Came to me. And this one friend, Steve, I'm going to share this verse with you because it's so important. And I look at this verse now and I go, oh man, I didn't see the, the, the riches in this verse. This is Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. He says, yet those who wait for the Lord, those who wait for the Lord. See, it's not, it's not something that happens like a snap. You don't demand these things. Those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not get tired. They'll walk and not become weary. So I got that verse on a wall plaque from Steve. And I thought, I'm not going to walk. What's he talking about? See, I was not a believer yet. I had not been saved by the grace of God. And so I, I looked and I said, oh, I can't do those things. I'm not going to rise up and fly with new wings. And they were already Christians, and they always said, no, no, no. He's going to give you a new heart. He'll give you eternal life. And I was like, whatever, you know. I was kind of angry. I didn't put that plaque up, as a matter of fact. I didn't put it up till later, until after I got saved. So go to that verse sometimes. He'll, he'll rise up and give you strength. But he says also, those who wait for the Lord. And there's a psalm that says, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. So he's testing you right now in jail or prison. He's testing you right now. A lot of people want to just kind of call on the Lord and just kind of say, hey, I need this and please do this and that, but it's in his timing. So if we go to some of the points here, a lot of key things here. He was teaching there were Pharisees and teachers of the law. So at that time, the Pharisees were pretty much the religious rulers of Israel. And they were kind of the go-between between the Roman Empire, the Roman soldiers, 
and the common person. But you see, we've talked about this before, the Pharisees were what we call legalists. Okay? Legalism would drive any one of you crazy. They had over 850 laws and ordinances that you had to do to be a good Jew. In fact, we saw some good Jews on vacation a month ago, and they still wear the hats and the hair and the, all the, the robes that the Pharisees used to wear. Okay, They still believe in all those rules. And the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they saw Jesus, number one, as a threat. Number two, that he, that he would say that I could bring clean the heart. Well, only God could, could do that. He called himself the son of man. What are they ta- what's he talking about? So the Pharisees are observing Jesus. They came out to see what's going on. All these people are being healed in this house. And there's more outside. So once again, the Pharisees did not rely on faith in Jesus Christ. Okay? They thought they had to earn their way. So folks, are you trying to do good things and kind of earn your way to be better? be better Christian or closer to God well it, it is although it's good to do good things we don't do those good things to get a higher merit with God does that make sense at the end of the day we are completely dependent upon God and Jesus Christ for everything so he will send the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us and to do and act more like Jesus would okay that's what we put our trust and hope so they were sitting there and they were from all these different cities in, in Jerusalem too and hold on and they were with him trying to see they were, he was eating all these people okay but it's interesting he notes right here behold some men were bringing a bed with a paralyzed man on it okay so the people at that time they were looking for physical healing they didn't see the need for the spiritual healing. And that's what Jesus really came for, is to be a mediator. And we know this first, second Corinthians, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, for our sake, he made him, Jesus, to be sin, who knew no sin, to become the righteousness of man. So he made Jesus to become sin, taking our sin. Does that make sense? He takes our sin, he gives us his righteousness. So only he can do that. But these miracles are occurring, and he's going to use these miracles to really have his main emphasis, which is turning to him and relying on him alone. Okay? Um, got some notes here. Okay? It says, so, he says, but finding a way to bring him in. Now think about this. We talked about this. He had to go through the roof. So, for some of you, it may be difficult to read the Bible. I don't know where you are right now, but take hope from this, that these men were so committed, such good friends, that they do anything for him. I think that's also important, as most of us know here in the, in the jail Bible study, is you can't do it alone. You gotta have other people who are believers, who lift you, who, no pun intended, who give you hope, 
share verses with you, share the Bible with you, you've got to have that support. Very difficult to go at it alone. In jail or outside in life, you've got to have those people. And that's why we go to church on Sundays. We go to meet with our congregation. We have maybe 100 people that believe what we believe in. We sing praises to Him. We hear the Scripture. The Holy Spirit works within our hearts. And, and I'll tell you, every time you come out, you always feel just stronger, closer. So keep that in mind. Another note here. Okay, important to see. The scri- says the scribes and the Pharisees. Okay, Jesus says, when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins have forgiven you. He's talking a pretty bold statement right there. Your sins have been forgiven. Well, these scribes and Pharisees, who speaks like this? It's blasphemy. Blasphemy means an insult to God. So they they missed the boat. Who's saying this, that your sins are forgiven? Only God can forgive it. Okay? So they're, they're doubting, and they're, and they're actually, they're going to turn on him shortly after this. Okay? They're going to turn on him. They want him dead. Okay? Because they believe that he's heretical, that he's not the Son of God. He's not who he says he is. These miracles are, they say, the work of the devil. The work of the devil. Now that, my friends, is really an unforgivable sin. Okay? So, they say, who can forgive, but, who can forgive sins but God's alone? When Jesus, he perceived their thoughts. Okay? Think about that. He perceived their thoughts. No one can do that but God. He answered them, why do you question your hearts? Okay? So it's in the heart. Okay? And the other thing I want to tie together to this is this verse before we close. I want to cl- close um, Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you'll be saved. So, write that down. Romans 10, 9 through 10. Because we're going to close with that. But what Paul is saying, if you confess with your mouth, like the like the, the person who's a quadru- or is a paralyzed, he wants to be healed. Okay? And after that, he's going to confess and he's going to share with his mouth that God raised him that God, God will raise him the dead, that God healed him. And he's going to tell that he's going to glorify God. So that verse is almost perfect for this. That's Romans 10, 9 through 10. Okay? So he says, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? You know, I ask this question too. Why can't he heal me? Well, you know, this day, there are miracles out there. Every day. We don't see them, but there are miracles being performed. I don't know of any people like me that are quadriplegics with their, their spinal cords are severed. I haven't heard of that. Okay, But there are people being healed. But back in my day when I was hurt, there were all these people who came. And they say, well, we want to pray on you so you'll be healed. Okay, and They're talking physical healing. And I realize now it's not the physical healing. It was the spiritual dead darkness within me, the sin in my heart that needed to be healed through faith in Jesus Christ. So they would come to me and, and there will still be people today. I'll pray over you. I'll pray over you. 
Well, I, I truly believe most of these miracles uh, uh, happened during Jesus and during the Apostle Age. There are some miracles that occur today. There's a miracle of doctors doing incredible surgeries. There's medications. There's all kinds of miracles going on we don't see about. But he's concerned about the heart. Okay? So, he says, I say to you, rise up, rise up your bed and go home. Wow. Rise up your bed and go home. I'm sure he may be hung around for a little while and people must have seen him. The crowd must have seen him. Probably hundreds of people there. Okay? Immediately he rose up before them and it's the purpose of his ministry was really to glorify Jesus and glorify the Father. That was the purpose of his ministry. To glorify means how do we glorify him? By praising him, sharing with others. It's only through Christ that I'm a new person. Lord, I give everything to you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you through prayer, through scripture. And one other point here. Okay. Jesus can do all miracles that may, may not even see. But think about this. The biggest miracle of all, he says in Ephesians, is when we are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. You think about that. We can be murderers. I confess I told a girlfriend to have an abortion. That's murder. I'm a murderer. I had that in my heart. Well, confessing that and being washed a new heart, a new person, that's the miracle, really. Taking someone who's led a rough life, a sinful life, a wicked life in the darkness, and turning them around, washing and giving them a new heart, new soul, new mind, new ears, new eyes, that's a miracle. So, in closing, I've got four key points. I want you to think about these, write these down, okay? Four points we can draw from this lesson of Jesus healing the paralytic. Number one, are you desperate? Are you desperate for the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Desperate meaning, is that your passion? Do you want that? Do you, do you want to get out of where you are right now? Some of you may have gotten a warning with the court a year or two ago. They may, the judge may have warned you. You stay out of trouble, you meet your parole requirements, and you can walk out and you can be free in your probation in two years. Some of you messed up, though. You didn't follow the warnings. The judge may have said, you know what? If you, if you mess up again, we catch you dealing again, dealing, dealing meth or whatever, it's going to be five years. I guarantee five years. You didn't follow the warning. So he gives you another chance right here. Just like in this, this lesson. Are you desperate for the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Only Jesus Christ. Grace is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't say this prayer 25, 35 times. Okay? I know back when I was Catholic, you'd say the Hail Mary 35 times. And that's not it. Okay? Number two, the paralytic and his friends had faith in the um, they had faith in the divinity and power and supernatural power of Jesus Christ. So, by that, the divinity means he is divine, he is God. They had the faith that he was God. All the other people a lot of the other people around him at the time, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, 
the Romans were could be very wealthy? No. They didn't have the belief and faith that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. They didn't have that. They thought he was, some would say, oh, he's just another teacher. That's what they say, a teacher, but not God. So, do you have that faith and belief, that supernatural belief? You see, if God can create the whole world from a whale to a hummingbird and to us and everything in between, the millions of species, can't he certainly bring a lame person, a paralyzed person, back to walking? Can he bring, as we will see in the following weeks, some of the dead people will come back. He will rise, cause them to rise. Three, God can forgive all of your hideous sins through faith in Jesus Christ. Now that, my friends, I didn't fully embrace and believe that when I was told that. I thought, man, there's just some things that are so bad I can't really talk about. I, I kind of had kind of this wearing this kind of over, like a weight, like a yoke over my shoulders. And I thought, oh man, I still got to do more things and read more Bible and, and then maybe it'll be forgiven. But no, you're, you're, when you become a new creation, the sins are forgiven. Okay? So, lastly, do you have Christian friends? Are you walking right now? Who you walk with right now? In jail and and in prison. Who are you walking with right now? Who are you hanging with? You know, those, those friends kind of rub off on you, whether you know it or not. And that's even my desire, you know, not being in jail, but who am I choosing for friends? Now, it's okay to have some friends that may be, you know, good at music or good at that, good play ball with them, but you want to choose the right friends. So, Lord, guys... Are you desperate for Jesus? Turn to him and believe, Lord. Amen.